is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. It's game day. Philadelphia Flyers come to Toronto on the second half of a back-to-back to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo on tech. And might I add... His drop-ins this season yeah. have been outstanding. His attention to details really, really good. You know, high-end stuff. It's good. Could be easy to coach that guy. You should have seen his arrival into the into the office. He came flying in like he was Rasmus Sandin flying up the boards with those roller skates on. I couldn't believe. Sorry, it. did you say roller skates? Blades. Roller okay. blades. Roller <laughs> blades. Roller skates. What is he? <laughs> Going to Studio 54. <laughs> Whatever. What's the difference? <laughs> What's the difference? Rollerblades. Significant. Rollerblades and roller skates. I've got some roller derby later. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also along for the ride, Jennifer Rolnick and Frank. Hey, Frank. Hi, Frank. Can you tell I don't know Frank's last name? Welcome to the team. I have no, I'm going to get it tomorrow. How about that, Frank? I can't All believe right. it's actually the tank. That's Jen's uh, helping Frank the tank. It's <laughs> great. All it's right. It's a funny last name. Okay, so everybody okay? We, we made another day through yeah. Leafland. Can we get a hockey game though? We are getting a hockey game. I'm going to the game tonight, boys. As a fan, as if you gonna wear a jersey? No, no. Jersey? No. Hat? Yeah, like maybe wear a hat. But yeah, I'm going for the first Ooh, time. This is interesting. I haven't been to a Leafs game as a fan in probably five, six years. Oh so, wow! Yeah, just straight up uh, bought tickets, go get is, a beer, yeah. watch a game. Yeah. Would this be? Any other type of game or coming off that road trip and all of the noise going into this week, is this just another game or is this a Sammy nudge, nudge, wink, wink, must win? Well, I'll bring my waffles in my backpack just in case. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any potential... I do think so. I I'm know what watching, you're getting at, and I, yes. I'm watching the Vancouver Canucks on their start and the jerseys being thrown out on the ice. We don't encourage anybody to throw anything other than maybe um, a pop, an empty popcorn box that I used to do when, after the games when I was a kid at Maple Leaf Gardens. <laughs> you used to throw an empty popcorn yes. box? Yes. You'd litter Maple Leaf Gardens. Yes. With popcorn boxes back then, and it was fun. You'd, the ice? They, you, I'd be up in the greens, and you could actually frisbee the thing right what? on the ice. <laughs> Sounds amazing. we got to call Gord Stellick and confirm it's like, this. Uh, it's like one of those restaurants that let you, lets you throw the peanut shells on the Gord floor. Gord Stellick will confirm that for me. <laughs> you know what this is, though? You know, So two thoughts on Sammy going to the game tonight. One is he just watched Buffalo, and I'm terrified the Leafs are going to like be bad and they we're going to hear from Sammy that like he becomes a Sabres fan. They might lose me. But the other thing is he told me that the weather is really nice this weekend, and I asked him if he was going to golf, and he was like, oh, might have to take Allie on a date to make that happen. <laughs> I see it. I connected the dots here. He's got the date freeing uh, up the weekend golf. I've been I've been perusing for a tee time around the various courses in Toronto. Tough one to find on Saturday. You know, it's like the last yeah. kick at the can. Not a lot of courses open. Not a lot of could sunlight. Probably spray it around Don Valley pretty good with no leaves out there. Well, right? yeah, but <laughs> good luck. I would have had to get on there three years ago to get a time for right. on Saturday. So if anybody's out there that's listening wants to mean they're forcing, let me know on Saturday. There you go. Okay, before we pick up on on Sammy going to the game, let's go to Sheldon Keep for our first uh, Kipper's Clipper here on on playing at home. Yeah, we we got to start fast, you know, get our energy going early. 
Yeah, it's not, certainly nice to be back, especially being gone for for so long. Uh, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't know whether we've had a, a trip that long since I've been here. I'm sure we probably have, but it didn't feel that way. Um, Twelve <laughs> days or whatever it was by the time we got back home. Um, nice to be back here. We we played some pretty good hockey when we were here, so that's comforting coming back. Um, you know, we know our fans. Um, our fans will be here to support us um, if we give them reason to support us. And then certainly we have to go out and perform. So we, uh, you know, it, it just remains on us to go out and play uh, a better hockey game. And we certainly are motivated to do so. Uh, it's a matter of clearing our heads mentally and, and just getting out and playing. Okay, you know what I got out of that? Hmm. The word if. <laughs> If, if if we give them reason, if we give them reason, yeah, we love our fans. They're supportive, but if. then there was an if. What is the if? It's, it does sound does not sound like unconditional love. Listen, you don't. He knows how this is going to go. He's from here, ish. If they if 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 they don't, I go bye bye. If they play badly tonight. I am very interested. It's part of the reason I wanted to go tonight. Bit of a, bit of an interesting night down there. Right? I I do think it's going to go well. And if I find out you throw anything besides an empty popcorn box, <laughs> you're in big trouble. I, I'm just very interested to see how the crowd's going to respond if they go yeah. down a couple to the Flyers. They can't. Didn't the, bo- the Bluebirds are coming out? Uh, we need a great start and a, a lead and but- a good. He also said that, you know, Philly just played last night and everyone yeah, makes we, a big deal. You want to go of, to that clip about playing them on the yeah, back-to-back? Yeah, yeah, let's do That's that. A good one. Yeah, we, we, we got to start fast, you know, get our energy going early on, look to play with the lead, you know. Um, those are all, all sorts of things. I think, I think the effects of such things with schedules, I, I, Sometimes you can debate it, and sometimes it might actually be an advantage early in the game because you played the night before, you're fresh, you're, you're in sort of game mode, um, and, and then the effects over the course of the game maybe uh, take place and the team start to, to wear down a little bit. Um, you know, so our start is going to be really important because the expectation would be that on the back half of it that we would be, um, uh, you know, we would be the fresher team, despite our, us coming off of uh, you know, a tough road trip and schedule ourselves. But um, I think to, to go into a game thinking that you have that advantage without just actually going out and making it an advantage, that's the, that's the biggest challenge. And, then, and that's why we're not, we haven't talked about their schedule or anything they're going through or even much about them at all. It's really just focusing on our team. Wow, that puts a ton of pressure on the start. Does it ever. Well, there is a ton of pressure on the start. Yeah. Whether he puts it on or not, there's a ton of pressure. The question is, if if it's not there, but it's still in that 50-50 mode, yep. where does their mindset go on the bench? Are, are they patient enough to – and we've watched it and we've experienced this as players. You You can't sometimes force what's not there. 100%. You can't go look Sometimes the other for team a hit plays that's well. not there. Yeah. You can't force shots. You can't overpass. How patient will he have them if they don't get that 
start. Well, it's interesting because that was actually a shared criticism by you and I early in the season of this Leafs team was uh, that they didn't stay patient in close games and they started to get ahead of the play. And all of a sudden there's one chance the other way and it's in their net and, you know, things start to feel bad. So I agree. It's crucial that if this game is just a 50-50 game to not think, oh my God, we have to go out and do something, create something and just kind of let that happen. Still, you know, I think it's a good point he makes about back-to-backs and how the next day you don't get the advantage in the first period. The other team's off a game. You know, it takes a while for, you know, the end of the game, they're starting to feel tired. Maybe you've got some more legs, but, you know, the other team in game mode a little bit. I think we've made too much over the years about back-to-backs being this massive advantage for the team that didn't play the back-to-back. Yeah, and I guess they... they stayed overnight in Anaheim and he mentioned Sleep, how doctor. long the, the, the trip was and he I'm sounded sure tired by the end of that. I'm sure it was the sports doctors or the it's my know, boy Rich Rodenberg is who it is. What up Rich? Said no. Can you imagine now having that road trip knowing what you're coming back to and having to stay there and sleep overnight? I I I, I know me you get me home. I don't care home what science tells you. Get me home. Get home me on a plane and get me home yeah. ASAP. I to would rather stay, wake up in my house to and stay in make a, eggs. To stay in Anaheim and like try to sleep on that in a, a strange bed. I, I, I think that would have been horrible You've been for on the me. road for two weeks or whatever. By the way, I didn't get to mention off the first clip where Sheldon is like, I don't know if we've ever had a trip that long, but if we did, it didn't feel that <laughs> long. <laughs> like, Boy, that just, felt like a long one. I, I think he was you know, he's feeling a little sick sounding. Like, they just at the, just done. So, just done, ready to get home. Of all the things that we love to talk about with this team, weighing against them, winning hockey games against bad teams. First mm-hmm. things first. They are a minus 325 favorite, according to multiple books. Massive favorite against them. So that tonight. means I got to bet $1,000 to win three. Dollars? Three, no, that would be a minus. I'm not going to do the math. <laughs> but they got to win. If you wanted to win uh, 100 bucks, you'd have to bet 325 bucks on okay, them to win. Same difference. Yes. Very close. <laughs> Can't but yeah, it's, a, it's massive favor. The starting goalie for the Flyers tonight is Felix Sandstrom. Felix. You made that up. Felix Sandstrom is a man <laughs> who plays net. Um, his record is 0-6-1 in the NHL. And here are the underlying numbers. Of, I was just going to yep. say, just to kind of tee up uh, the Flyers, uh, Chris Terrian, former Flyer defenseman. He's been on the show before. Yep. Uh, as candid as you'll ever find anybody, especially when he, the passion that that guy brings for the Philadelphia Flyers is, uh, is fantastic. He's going to join us in about 30 minutes. Yep. And so this Flyers team is 5-2-2. Two, and two. That gives them a winning percentage that is fourth best in the NHL so far. Unbelievably good start for the Flyers. But this is where it helps to pay some attention to underlying numbers or advanced stats or whatever. Corsi 4, which is just shots. They are the worst team in the NHL, 32nd. Just straight up shots for the register on net, 28th. Expected goals 4 percentage, 31st. Scoring chances 4 percentage, 32nd. Bad team. They're going to not be a 5-2-2 two, and two club for long. So this is what the, the Leafs have done this. The Sharks were bad. The Ducks were bad. Coyotes were bad. Habs are bad. Montreal's bad. And Carter Hart was the only reason why they ended up with a point last night against the New York Rangers. Outstanding performance. So Felix Sandstrom is 0-2 with an 898 save percentage so far. Now, Sammy's going to go to the game. 
Mm-hmm. And he, if he's not up 3 nothing in the first five minutes, he's, he's going to panic. He's going to force it. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the Everybody procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Calm. <laughs> Everybody calm down. No, no. That's the greens. Hey, That's the, that greens the greens around Sammy tonight. Uh, what's the what's the furthest away from the the surface? What are, That's where what I'm are sitting. you sitting tonight? Uh, upper deck upper in the bleeders deck. with the real fans. That's okay. No, su- no suits and sushi up there. You pal. could hang glide too. Yeah, where yeah. Kipper's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, Tortorella loves the spotlight. He knows this is the biggest media stage oh, yeah. you'll ever find. Get the boys There's up. Not a chance that he doesn't squeeze every last drop out of them tonight. Oh, let's look at the Canadians and, on the Flyers and roster. And he will have them. He will have them ready if they if they're not ready or if they if they don't look like they're ready. It's because they really stink, <laughs> not because Tortorella will have left left uh, le- took his foot off the gas pedal here. Wow. Ton of Americans on this team. But let me tell you, you got uh, Scott Lawton's from Oakville. Travis Konecki's from yeah. London. Morgan Frost is from Aurora. Morgan Frost's dad used to be the guy who uh, was the, the uh, announcer. The announcer for the, like, for for the, the old the announcer Air announcer. Canada yeah. Center. Yeah. I got to tell you, I thought you were going to say David, and I was a little no. concerned. No, no. Uh, that was what's the, the outcome. What's, what's his name? The Oh, my God. So bad, I can't remember that. Andy, Andy Frost. Frost. Yeah, of course. That's his son. So. Frosty. Yep. Unbelievable, though, the amount of Americans on this team. Edina, yeah. Stillwater, Minnesota. But Couture is from Phoenix? No, they've been Canadian. hit hard by injuries. Right. Sean Couturier, who, you know, bad back again, out for f- four or five months, maybe the whole season. Awful. Awful luck, you know. Uh, uh, former Leaf uh, Van Riemsdyk's out as well. Yeah. Anyone else that you can think of off the hand? We'll ask uh, Chris Terry and uh, we'll give we'll get the mash. Uh, can, can I ask you guys a question? And, and like, if you're playing against a team that you know is going through it, like if you're a guy, say for example, Travis Connect me a perfect example, a guy that plays with a burr under his saddle, bit of a pain in the ass. On Again, the he didn't look like that no. last year. No, but just going into a game like this when you know everything that's surrounding the Leafs and what like. That's got to be extra motivation. Like, they're getting up for this game over on a Wednesday night in a back-to-back more than they would be pretty much any other midweek game. Well. No? It, yes. Yep. But it goes back to everybody knowing that this is – it doesn't have to be hockey night in Canada. A midweek game sets you up that if you do something here in this town, it, it carries a lot more weight than most buildings yeah. or most cities. This is a nice stage. Yeah. So – Konechny's been a lot better. He's been a more of an in-your-face guy. And that is a direct correlation to John Tortorella, mm-hmm. 100%. They're both coming in here going, hey, you want to take it to a next level? Do it on this stage right here. Yeah. I, to Sammy's point, too, I also think when you're playing a bad team that is going through it, you're just more interested in challenging them like mm. let's just see let's you know why not take the shot why not see if i can beat this guy wide let's see if this team does have the holes in it we've seen uh on the highlights over the past couple of weeks so yeah they're they're gonna push for sure god i hate the flyers all right uh so much has been talked about matthews and marner uh, matthews and marner but uh time to like have somebody step up from uh from that depth mm-hmm. list that we we're told about at the beginning of the season here. Is Kubel one of them? Maybe Nick Robertson and Kubel. 
both guys not in the lineup tonight. Kubel's out? Yeah. Well, then let's go to Sheldon Keefe on, on thoughts on uh, Kubel. In the, in the games that he's played, you know, that the line that he's, he's played with, and we've really, we've really felt coming in with him and Camp and Aston Reese that that could be a real strong line for us. Um, and be a line that we could really rely upon, and the line just didn't go well. Uh, and frankly, Camp, a lot, of, a lot of things didn't go well there for him and how we were using them. Um, I've talked to Kubi quite a bit just in terms of right, right from, you know, preseason all the way through about his game and really pushing and taking advantage of opportunities that he gets, um, you know, and, and it just hasn't quite, quite happened uh, here for him. You know, a little bit of benefit of the doubt early on. He had a much shorter offseason than, than everybody else in, in our building, um, but that can only sort of last for so long and you need to take advantage of what's there. So what you hear from that clip is this guy ran out of chances to be bad. Which is crazy because he's barely played. He played 10 minutes per game for the first three games. I don't know if I did this on air yesterday. No, we talked not. about this before the show. Did we? Yeah. And yeah. then he had eight minutes, seven minutes, six minutes in the concurrent three games. And there's his six games he's played as a Leaf. I know he hadn't been good, Kipper, but yeah. we're already into can we use this guy mode? I think it's no different than the, the Justin Hall mode. And that is, okay, then who's next? Where do I go? And the, sh- the, the list is short. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Cannot someone, play with him. Cannot win with him. As, as Cannot someone, coach with him. Can't do it. <laughs> as someone that's been in that role at, at, on, on a fourth-line basis, yeah. I mean, you're, you're only as far away from another spot as he's mad at somebody else. But you know right. what? I, I hate that because, you know, I've been in that role too in the bottom of the order. And yeah, you know, any mistake I make, I'm out. I, uh, but I also know that I'm back, <laughs> I'm back in the moment yeah. that guy stinks yeah. and he's the freshest you're, thing in your mind. You're rooting for your team to win, but you wouldn't <laughs> mind that guy in the fourth line to turn a couple of pucks over. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, he's like, you know, you got to take advantage of your chances. Well, it's so hard when you're in that role. Like, what do you want a fourth liner to do? A guy like Kubel, you bring him in, you want him to forecheck, be positionally sound, reliable, physical. You know, the game presents itself in a certain way. You don't get the opportunity to be noticeable. Like, for a fourth liner, it should almost be like being a defenseman. Just being good enough is good enough usually. So how do you take opportunity or take advantage of that? I guess in your mind, if I had to guess, you would say be noticeable in some way, whether it's physical, like hit, don't, well, fight. Mark Don't fall down every shift. Mark right. Recchi, helps. we had him as a guest yesterday. He, he spoke of that. It's just bring something to the table and don't get lost. Don't, don't play without being noticed in some capacity. Yeah, which, you know, sometimes I feel like there's not, nothing physical happening in a game, but those bottom line guys will make the game physical just to sort of make it more relevant to their needs. It's a weird sort of selfishness I've always resented as a guy who didn't play well, that role at, often. At least Sheldon can pull him out of the lineup, but there's just no sense that he's got that same luxury to do that with anybody on the blue line. Well, hold on. Before that, what about right. Robertson? Robertson's out too. Boys, we had this discussion about getting too ahead of yourself with him, and here we are. And do you remember those conversations? He is done in the American Hockey League. He will not see another game. And I'm not suggesting that they should send him back or he's heading back there. But today he's a lot closer to being a Marley again than he was two weeks ago. 
Yeah, and so I, I think he... You know, they need people who can score right now. The Leafs are 27th in the NHL in scoring. But um, just reading a tweet from Cam Sharon here, um, you know, he worked for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the past seven years in like an analytics role. He tweeted, scratching Robertson is an unpopular move, but I have him at 12th among Leafs forwards in scoring chance contributions. He's 14th in forwards and winning pucks in the offensive zone. The Leafs need shot creators in the bottom six, and he isn't one. Okay. And again... Hmm. Our conversation was... I still think he's a shot finisher. He only needs one look. I'd keep him in. Our conversation was two weeks ago. What can he look like when he's not scoring? What can he look like when he's not shooting the puck? What would you say you do here? (laughs) Please keep that that in uh, rotation. That's my favorite Where is that from? Office Space. Office Space, yeah. Oh, my God. Office Space and Super Troopers are probably one, two for me in all-time comedy. That's (laughs) fantastic. It is what would you say you do here? <laughs> That's a good question. If you're not scoring, Nick, you know, you got to provide something, and that uh, was always going to be his challenge. But I think because he's such an elite finisher, you just keep him around because he doesn't need many looks. He will put them in the net, and the Leafs don't have a lot of guys past the four who do that. To me, putting Kerfoot back into the top six is not a move that you need to do. I, I, don't, like, I don't think that they gave enough of a run to Tavares... Kerfoot um, really makes do- plays, though. Kerfoot, I, uh, as I like much Kerfoot. as he's not my favorite best of seven player, uh, there's something to be said about this guy finding ways to be noticed every night. And a lot of times it's his speed, but he he he's close. He's around it. Uh, yeah, he took some heat for raising his arms before the puck crossed Oops, the line I got the that, other though. night. It was going in. It was that. going yeah, in. Yeah, like you see it coming through it's the goalie's in. legs. Like I get the rea- the instinct. But he's there. No, I know it's not right, but I get the instinct. I'm glad, no, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not crapping on him. I'm glad we didn't even bring that up until now. That was nothing play to me. Yeah. At least he's he's there. and yeah, 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 I, see he's, he's, I see your point. He's, he's driving to the net. Where, he's where there on the rush. Robertson to sit there and say, are you? I, I wish he was in a in a predicament where a bad decision meant that he missed out a goal because right now he's, he hasn't been really in my television screen no, all no, week. No, you're right. But I, the thing to me, though, with – sorry, not to interrupt, but – No, no. I, to, not as much as Willie can do it to the bottom six, but I kind of feel like they need Kerfoot in the bottom six mm-hmm. to do what you're talking about, to be kind of to that – make those lines relevant. Yes. Okay. As, and that's why I would – I thought that Robertson was passable enough with Willie and Tavares to keep him there mm-hmm. and have – Kerfoot kind of helped the bottom six. Checkers, what they this need is, uh, the top six. This is a great lead-in uh, to our next Kipper's Clipper with Sheldon on splitting up Marner and Matthews. Let's have a Do listen. It. Yeah, I've, I've contem- contemplated a lot of things, of course, as we've gone through this, and we've tried a number of a number of different things. Um, ultimately, I, I just feel like those guys, I, I feel like last season those guys developed – an even greater chemistry than they've they've ever had, and um, I, I'm not at the point yet where I feel like the answer for us to get going is to separate the guys that had to, you know to you know some of the best chemistry in the league last season and carried us to great heights for the regular season. So those guys are committed to working through it together, and I'm and and I I am still at the point of giving them the opportunity to work work with them on that. Um, we've had a number of discussions as a group, and, and I, on the road trip, despite the puck not necessarily going in the net, 
um, there were some really positive signs for that group that uh, we want to continue to see that see that play out. But obviously, nothing's off the table at this point in terms of what the options might be for us. Uh, you know, if we don't start to see progress. JB, agree or disagree? I disagree with the idea that you shouldn't split these guys up and should give them time to play through it. I feel like why the decision that he's making is about keeping those two happy um, for bigger reasons, which is if you lose them, you lose everything, including your job, and less about just trying to win a hockey game. You know, like the Oilers coach the other night put in Stuart Skinner, they asked him why Skinner, not Jack Campbell, five years, five million, what's going on? He says, I think he can help us win the game. I think it would help the Leafs win the game to just get a different look for a minute. doesn't mean you don't go back to this in playoffs. You know they're amazing. Sammy, what's the green section going to say tonight if they don't see Marner and Matthews together? I think people would be very intrigued to see it. I think it, they would be. They would understand. I agree. Very interesting. Two bad teams. Yeah, I just I see I, something different. That's the thing to me is what you just said there about going back to it. You know that it's good. You know that it can it's work. It's always there for you. But right now, everybody seems to be going through something. So just even for the game, just for a wake-up call okay. factor of it. Okay, Coach Sammy. What do you think? Like, you guys have played a ton of hockey in your life. I'm you going... get the line switched up. You're playing with somebody new. You're more engaged. You're more focused. To me, I, I, it just seems right. like a no-brainer. All right, Coach Sammy, Coach JB, homework time. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, is he going to teach us that they've been good together? No, 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 no. You're going to give me your lineup sheet tonight. Okay. Now, or take your 10 seconds, 15 seconds, and give me your lineup tonight with Marner and Matthews split. Okay, I'm going to start with my centers down the middle. This is going to make Kip happy. Did I make you happy? Keep going. <laughs> Fill did, it out, my I, friend. I did 34, 16, 88 down the middle. What do you think? Okay. I, don't know. I won't make people listen to me sort no, this out no. right now, but I will. No, uh, I've already done mine. Let's have it. Okay. It's a lot easier to you be critical. You know what's scary though. about me and you is that, like, on a couple occasions, <laughs> we think the same. Did, did, I, did I nail it? I've already got it. <laughs> my, my center. My center's tonight. Uh... Matthews, mm-hmm. Marner, Holy Holmberg, yeah. and Camp. Okay. This yeah. is good. I like what's happening. That, that's my centerman. So who gets 88? Sammy, what do you got? I'm still doing my homework. Oh Hold my on. God. Okay, first of all, like, hurry up because the smoke out of your ears is going to set off the uh, <laughs> alarms. Here's what I bet you've done. I bet you've put Tavares with Matthews. Because Tavares is more of a blue paint, different area of the ice type of guy? No. Oh, man. No. So you gave him 88 then? I gave him no. Oh, my Lord. What is happening? No. I gave Austin Matthews, Kerfoot on the left side. Good. And Yarncroc on the right. I like it. I like it. I genuinely like it. You know, the... if he's not happy, it's even better. It's not a benching. I agree. But it's not totally. candy for him. Yep. Like, you want to get out of this, you're pulling those guys up because you need to be the second best driver. player. You're line For driver. years, Connor McDavid doesn't always have Leon Dreisaitl. He's driven his own line. You just won the Hart Trophy. 
you know, and Yarncrock and Kerfoot are guys that can make plays. They can finish if you get it to them in front. S- Sammy, give me your uh, Matthews line. Yarncrock, uh, Matthews, Nylander. Okay. Marner, Tavares, Robertson. Ooh. Bunting, Kerfoot, Engvall. Bunting, Kerfoot, Engvall. And then the last, the bottom line I don't like a lot anyway. It's <laughs> with the remaining <laughs> options. But I got Aston Reese, Camp, Malgan. Okay. Oh. Uh, I, I, I excluded Robertson for the sole purpose that uh, – He's not he, in. He's not available to me. Well, I'm yeah. the coach. I can put him in. <laughs> yeah, I know. Fair point. Thank you. Fair point. You're the first coach in history to sit in the greens, by the way, <laughs> during your game. <laughs> Just really shouting. Jane, <laughs> uh, too many men again. Uh, your second line? You know, I, I haven't I haven't done it. Okay. I haven't done it. I've been I've been thinking. All right. I've now moved Tavares to the left wing with Marner. Oh my god! And I put Malgin. Oh my yeah. god! I, I was already looking for a way to get. To I, I have to. Dennis Malgin, a little extra shift here and there, and that was an easy way. No, I know, I know. That's so, it. So let me get this straight. Yeah. Marner at center with Tavares and Malgin as yes. Oh my god! Yeah. Now we're talking about the blender, baby. You Let's want, go. You, yeah. you Let's think go. you think Malgin's this player? Here, here's here's your opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, you're playing with uh, two of the most talented players on the team offensively. If you can't get looks in in a consistency and and chances like you had in Anaheim, if you can't get two or three of those chances, then uh, I'm getting ready after tonight. This good. is this is as as good of a chance as I'm giving you tonight. All right, looking at your guys's and making subtle tweaks. I, I think you could do your top line with Matthews, Kerfoot, and uh, um, Yarncroc. I like that. I would take Mulgan off, and then you, you go with a bit of a super line with Tavares, uh, Nylander, and, and Marner yep. as your second line. Yeah. Then for a third line, you've still got Bunting available. You've got Engvall. You've got, you know, I, the, the fourth line can't do much. The personnel's not Kubel. good enough to do much. My, my third line is Bunting, Holmberg, and Willie. I, I still need it's Willie. A good line. It's a good line. I still need Willie down there to drive some offense. I think Bunting on and Willie would be a great compliment. And you know what it does is it takes away Tortorella's chances of matching up his top four D. That's what it does. Yeah. Someone gets away and from Willie's the top guys. Willie's talented enough where he can expose maybe a third defensive pairing. Mm-hmm. You know, my big issue right now when I look at the Leafs lineup is just, and I said this before on our show, is that they don't have puck getters anymore. They don't have guys who are first on the forecheck. Hyman used to do it so well. McKayev did it well. You know, and I mentioned old names that were here before, Connor Brown, yada, yada. But they don't, to me, have guys who get in with that long stick and disrupt the forecheck, turn pucks over and get it in the hands of their guys. And they don't have the same ozone possession time as they have in previous season, uh, seasons that have, has led to their dominance. They don't get the puck enough for me. And you know what's crazy, too, is you watch them, and I don't know what the statistics say, yeah. but they probably have more uh, dump-ins or uh, chip-and-chases than I saw half of last season. They're successful at it when they chip. Yeah, when they get it behind the D, they're pretty good at it. This year? Yeah. Oh, gosh. 
Okay. Yeah. If you say so, it hasn't no, no, looked no, that no. way to me. No, they, they, they don't do it much. But when they do it, because they everyone knows they're a puck possession team, yeah. they're able to get it back. Oh, okay. Well, maybe tell do them more. to do more. Do, <laughs> yeah, do, do, do I couldn't more. agree more. So but again, that's more about the forechecking, getting it back. Do you remember? I mean, feel more, like more, we bring, more. feel like we bring up Babs a lot here. But do you remember what Babs did with Matthews for a long period of time? In I think maybe his second year no. or even his rookie year, he put Connor Brown and Hyman as his wingers for a long stretch of time. Doing talking about basically what you brought up there, like elevating the two guys in your line as opposed to looking to another guy to elevate you, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Like it's not, like I like you said, it's not a demotion, but yeah. it's just it's making you be more engaged and drive the line more. You know, part of this when I said I wanted them split up is just like, you know, to say to Matthews like why why can't you why why can't you uh, everyone else Sidney Crosby's picks up God knows how many bumpkin line mates for years. John Tavares way in his prime for the Islanders turned guys into stars, essentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like great centers can do that. I know he had a ton of success with Mitch, but I think he can have a ton of success with a lot of people. Go show us. Rounding out my fourth line. I'll you mean Sam? Aston Reese on the left side, Camp in the middle, and Engvall. To me, Engvall has to go and show me that you can be a, a fourth-line winger before I move you back up in the lineup. And you better start using your size, your yeah. speed. You better show me that you can create energy. That's where it has to start for this guy, and it's it's on the fourth line. Easy to be critical when someone else puts the lines together. The only thing I would change is Mulgan out of there and, okay. and give Engvall that spot. Let Engvall go get the puck and go be, you know, I understand your point about he hasn't earned more, yeah. but we are at the point where... You know, you talked about it with Justin Hall. It's like, at some point, yeah. you just don't have other people. Listen, I don't believe for one second Mulligan's a second-line center no, or know. a right-winger with Marner and, uh, and Tavares. <laughs> right. but I, it, I, I, It'll give you I, the rope to say you didn't do enough with you, your spot. Exactly. You give him one more chance, and if he exposes himself for a guy that cannot handle that, then the, the science experiment is over. God willing. I love the blunders that we've had out today. It's very nice. Yeah, I enjoy some good line talk. And, you know, with the defense, there's not even anything you can do because they just don't have any. Well, do you want to hear the coach talk about that? I do want to hear the coach talk about that. Okay, and for the record, if you would have told me that Morgan Riley and and Mete would be a a key pairing going into game game 11. 11. (laughs) I mean, okay, let's have a listen, Sheldon. You'd guess their record. Well, I mean, to be honest, it's really just a – a matter of how the other pairs check out, frankly. You know, we, 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 we've, got a, we've got a mix of, of guys here right now. We're trying to, to find the right mix. We've, you know, obviously, Riley and Brody, we like a lot. Um, but we've just, we've just found the way that some of the other pairs were going that we needed to, we needed to stabilize ourselves a little bit defensively there. Um, not ideal for us to have... You know, with, a, with only one right-handed shot defenseman, it's not ideal for us to have Brody, who is the most comfortable on his offside as a lefty, to, to not have him uh, on the right side. Create some challenges for us, but we just feel that uh, he's really he really could help Justin Hall. That's been a good pairing for us, um, not only the other night in Anaheim, which is kind of why we went with it, but last season, those guys did quite well together. I, I hear him say about Morgan Riley, to be honest, it's just a product of how the other pair shook out. And to be f- perfectly frank, when you have to start off 
with to be honest, to be honest, that's telling you, <laughs> you that I've bad. got no chance to blow smoke Matter up your ass yet. on this one. <laughs> to be honest. honest. Yeah, if he did lead with that, if he's just like, <laughs> just really love the way Betsy's been playing, think he's ready for the opportunity. And, he was just like, to be honest. Hey, and I have I else. have no issues with to be honest, Mete. To be honest, yeah. None. Riley's no, going to play 25 and Mete's going to play eight. At but least, they're paired together right now. You're right. At least he's got a better chance He's of skating a puck out of his zone than he does chopping it up 18 different pieces <laughs> like he's doing an infomercial with a Ginsu knife. <laughs> Be- beating it to a square? Yeah. No, he's he can do good things on his own. So, yeah, like I said, NHL skill on that guy. But, what I mean, it's a defensive a, nightmare, that pair. What about this for a blender? Nightmare. When Because let's say we're talking about Lilligren. Coming back on Saturday. We're not talking about tonight, but going into Saturday. Have they ever played Riley and Hall together? Yeah. I think they have, yeah. Yeah, it's Did not they? good. Did they? Yeah, it's not good. I barely remember that. Was but it Riley Sandine who they were like, we're not going back yes, to that at all? But, but just, then they did recently? I, You know, then the rest of the lineup would shake out. It would be Giordano and, and Brody who have played together for a long time. And then you would have Sandine and Lilligren as your as your bottom pair. The, the left problem right is Gio and Brody played way different minutes. Sheldon's exhausted on this, by the way. Like, you can just sense it every time any conversation comes up with his blue line. It's because they don't have Muzzin, who we should listen to that clip. Yeah. All right, let's just, uh, yeah, let's go to that real quick here because we're going to go to break soon. But Muzzin on being out of the lineup. Yeah. Significant absence. You know, on the ice, for sure. You know, you see our penalty kill hasn't been the same. Um, You know, and it's just sort of when you lose – a guy like that that you lean on so much, it, everybody else has to play more and in different situations than they're maybe accustomed to. And uh, I think that's part of what we're going through a little bit on the back end that way. Uh, but, yeah, his experience and his voice uh, in the room and in the games, uh, that's another area that uh, you, you take him out and other people are now having to say more, um, uh, address different situations, you know, uh, be the guys that are that are looked upon and counted upon. I think that's another area we're just looking looking towards. Okay, you could just sense that. And man loves him some muzzin. We all still believe that off the backs of Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Tavares and Morgan Riley, they will make the playoffs this season. We do. But that's not a playoff blue line. No, it's not, but if your forwards are good enough, you can make it a playoff blue line. So, again, it's that massive pressure on this one piece of your lineup to be really, really good. You just hearing him talk there, it just sounds like he's just a, not having him around is a massive blow. Like, not even the on-the-ice stuff. To be honest. It's just to, ha- to be having, you know, a guy that's great off the ice, he's best buds with Mitch, apparently. Did it's he just- not kind of insinuate that, you know, once we lose – Muzzin in the room and others have to say more that it doesn't carry anywhere the clout that Muzzin has. It's so funny all this talk about who should that. be the captain of the team. It should it be Riley? Should it be Matthews? Ends up being Tavares. Like the guy who has felt like the leader here for years has been Muzzin now. He's felt like the guy who would speak respect. I speak out and say what we wanted to hear in the media. Well, and when. Muzzin goes down, and you hear the emotion out of Mitch Marner mm-hmm. about him. 
And remember what was it uh, last season? They they bumped into practice. Muzzin yeah, was hurt. That's right. And there was a sense of, oh, there's you know what's going on with Marner and, and Muzzin. And then they they turn around and you think that they're not friends, and they tend t- turn out to be best friends. I fought one of my literal best friends in practice. Like <laughs> you just get frustrated. Someone does something you don't like. It's but happens. He that that emotional. Uh, sense that you got out of Marner from Muzzin, you, you don't get that from him from, you don't get a sense of that from him on anyone else, including maybe even a Tavares. Yeah, I think it then is the point just that this Muzzin is a valuable character to them and a significant blow, right? Like maybe more so than his on-ice contributions, more than we see on this side of things. Well, he ain't in the lineup. Victor and they're going to have to find something. Is he, Somebody's going to have to say more. As you get the sense Sheldon that said, we'll be back in the lineup this year? Not counting on it. It's funny because he said, Sheldon said something like, yeah, we're waiting on results of the tests or something like that. Like, Yeah, no. I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah, There's, so vague. This is, uh, this is, he ain't, he's not coming back anytime soon. And if he does, it'll have to be crunching Smaller numbers towards the salary cap trade deadline and fitting him back in some way, shape, or form. But it'll have to come after you've made a, the, the conscientious decision to fill that money somewhere else. Maybe he'll get healthy on like April 30th or something when the salary cap goes could away. Easily, he's extra D-man. Could easily be a, a, a Kucherov for you. A, a Kucherov situation. Yeah. Where this guy's they're spending back, that money. Is what they're you're spending that money. Okay. And if you're coming back. Imagine that. He's their seven going into but playoffs. There, but there's what would happen there is that you'd have to get him back with the Marlies, yeah. get some reps in, get and did they do the Chicago did that with Kane one year? Like that's a thing. Yeah, I know, but he's not Kane. And he's not Kucherov. <laughs> he's Muzzin. <laughs> and he might it might be too late by then. Speaking of Kane, yeah. about half his contract retains around five million bucks. How much do they ever spend? Anyways, <laughs> continue. Easy on that, Mr. Greeny. <laughs> Just enjoy the game and be and quiet. Eat your r- popcorn. Yeah. Wait, wait for the big win and Alan, th- throw Alan the empty box uh, when the three stars are announced. I will. Okay, we're going to get into more of the Philadelphia Flyers tonight and what they'll bring the Toronto Maple Leafs with Chris Terrian, former NHL defenseman. Snow the Goalie is his podcast, and he's got a new book out called Road to Redemption. Chris Terrian, after the break, you're listening and watching Real Kipper and Born. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. CJCL Toronto. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Ah, keep him busy while I get my earpiece on. Uh, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Nick and Justin show. How'd I do? There you go. Yeah, thanks. All good. How's our boy Sammy doing? Good. Good. Everyone getting settled here. Waiting for Chris Terrian. 
Talk about the Flyers, 5-2-2. Two, and two. John Tortorella got them humming. Not really. Well, they're, I mean, winning. Their goalies are playing very well. See, this is where analytics are useful. I know, you're an you, analytics you, guy. You gave me useful analytics. <laughs> Let's bring in Chris Terrian, friend of the show. One of the most candid people you'll ever hear on this show. How are you, pal? As soon as I heard that word analytics, I almost made me want to hang the phone up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what, words, guys, <laughs> what, what are we... <laughs> so uh, uh, do the underwhelming numbers not match up with what you've seen on the ice in the last little while with the Flyers? You know what, you know what guys? I'm going to say this, and, and I complained... You know, last year for bulk of the year about the way the teams competed. They had they had a bad team that didn't work at all last year. So they didn't and, – and, again, the overhaul in the summer, I mean, they don't have a marketable star player. That's, that's a fact. I mean, no one's saying anything that, that's derogatory. So what they've done is they've had a new coach come in that can light a fire in their rear end, and they've come out with effort and determination – and as a result, also, guys, they've had the best goaltending in the NHL from Carter Hart in the early season. He was spectacular again last night. He's been unbelievable every single night. Maybe a bad goal here and there, but if it's one or two goals, you can live with it because you expect your team to do more than that. But analytically, you know, it's weird when you look at the numbers, like the guys, you always go scroll down the list of just player stats, and you've got Kevin Hayes at the top with, you know, nine assists and one goal, and then there's a drop-off. You know, it's Konechny. He's the only guy beyond three goals. So, I mean, you could maybe get, you know, you can overanalyze too, I think, a little bit. Um, they're a far more interesting team to watch this year, Nick, than they were at any point last year. How long that can, that can stay together, I don't know. But, I mean, uh, they've won games. They've lost the last – I mean, the Rangers outplayed them severely in the second period last night. But then the game before it against Carolina at home, the Flyers easily could have won that game. So that's why I get a little bit antsy with analytics because there's a lot of analytical numbers you can look at with this team, both good and bad. And, and I think that for me, just from what I'm looking at, I'm looking at the body of work that the team's had in general. And it's been effort, the de- determination, and, and quite frankly, the handprint of, of John Tortorella yes. on a team that had a good cop last year, and now that format's changed to maybe the bad cop. So guys are, are a little bit more on high alert early in the year. And the results are there because I believe in that fear factor. Well, the most important thing is uh, he's alleviated the pressure off of Gritty carrying the franchise. <laughs> he, he, he has. He's, you know, and again, coming in, guys, he's been the biggest, you know, in the offseason. He's as big a signing as any player. He's a character. Um, he's going to infuse the crowd. Uh, he's going to make for some interesting post-game comments with, with the media. Um, but, you know, again, I think even the Flyers, I go back to Gritty, like they've even made a change. I've noticed a, a lot of things of trying to get back to the roots of the team, to what, the, you know, the Snyder legacy had left, and, and I think that's a smart thing. But Tortorella, make no mistake about it, uh, in a time when they did not, they were not able to extract or get a big-time free agent like a Johnny Gaudreau, even though Torts was here before him, uh, Torts is is the is very much a marketing piece as well, and he does bring that dynamic as well uh, behind the bench, other than just coaching. So sometimes preseason predictions, we just get things wrong. You know, like the Blues are three and five. Everyone thought they would be good. 
Uh, you know, P- Penguins are struggling. It happens all the time, and it happens the other way, too. The Flyers, I think, were pretty universally selected to be sort of a bottom five team this year, Was at least from the preseason predictions I saw. Is what they're doing right now sustainable? They're 5-2-2. Two, and two. They're a positive goal differential team. You talk about their compete. Can they continue to look like this team all year? I, I, you know what, that's a million dollar question. And, and, and you know what, I think any pundit that watches the team and is brutally, brutally honest would have a hard time believing that they're going to be able to match, you know, this, uh, you know, whatever it is, 10 game stretch almost, you know, as we get to it with these kind of numbers. So, um, you know, I think when the games, I think, you know, I, I, there's so many games now, guys, and, and there's so much onus now on, on every single game being the next most important game of the year. Remember Kipper like 25 years ago, you know, you'd start the season and, you know, there wasn't, it was like, let's get out of the gates, treat the games with respect. Let's try to get these wins. But now, I mean, there's such a fine line with no salary cap that there's such, everybody's so close. So every single game now feels like a mini playoff game. And I think the first 20 now, these teams are trying to mitigate the damage that they do because after, you know, you get to American Thanksgiving and it kind of, that's when the season really starts. So I think for a lot of ways, teams will climb back in it, but I don't think they really hitch their wagons to the first 20 as much, uh, or um, per se, they, they really look at these games and they're meaningful. But at the same time, I think a lot of them too are just trying to get these games out of the way and have themselves a chance. So it's great the Flyers started this way. I'm not going to lie. It'd be a, it would be a disaster with the way the Phillies are going right now and the Eagles if the Flyers came out of the gates, you know, oh, you know, oh, seven and one. Now, that wouldn't help anybody, and certainly coming off the year they did. They've made some strides, guys, and, and my, my qualm was the effort and what we saw on the ice, and I cannot complain about that at all. It hasn't been perfect. There have been times they've had it taken to them, but the effort is there. The Flyers' type of attitude uh, of, of playing hard, you know, that blue-collar type of attitude with the city has reverberated a little bit, and I think once the teams get out of the baseball here a little bit and the football in the city, it'll be interesting to see what – the Flyers look like post-American Thanksgiving when the games become a lot richer and, and teams become a lot more poised, realizing that, you know, yeah, the first 20 is over. Now it's really starting time to buckle down with 60 to go. And that's when every game feels like a playoff game now in the, in the new salary cap world we live in. Bunny, what would last night have looked like without Carter Hart against the New York Rangers? In the second period, Kipper, really bad. Like those, so those are the games. But, you know, you can, you can hide a lot with goaltending. And, you know, they had a great, a great a, I don't want to say great, so they had a good start last year, too, you know, where people thought they were going to have a, a very good year, and, and then the wheels came off. Carter Hart has been the glue to the team. There, there's a, no one's hiding that uh, or, or doubting it. Um, they've tried to get secondary scoring. You know, Torts has talked about that, and really it's been Konechny who's doing a bulk of the goal scoring. He's the guy they needed to get off the schneid, and he's done that early in the year with four goals. But other guys have picked it up. Uh, there was a benching that happened last week. Again, you know, we've seen torts with Kevin Hayes and Konechny, and they've responded. Again, I don't know how that's going to look moving into the future, but it worked out one single time, and the players addressed it, and they came back with the kind of attitude you'd like to see players with. But Carter Hart's been the glue kipper. There's no doubt about it. And if he's been a little sharper, I mean, he's got a 950 save percentage almost. Or if It might be right at that number. Uh, that's not a sustainable number. I don't think that's ever happened with a guy that's going to play as many games as he had. So, when the numbers level itself out and, and those goals maybe start going in at, at a trajectory, let's say he stays at a 920 save percentage, which is incredible. That's still a lot of wiggle room between a 950 and a 920, and, and that may be the difference right now of what we're seeing with the Flyers and, and the teams that they're competing against has been quite, in fact, the goaltending has been that good.
I'm sorry. Did you say that star players were benched a whole period and not just a shift? Can you explain that to our Toronto Maple Leaf <laughs> and Sammy McKee fan what that looks like? Did yeah, fans you know burn what? the arena it, it, down? It, it, it's unbelievable. Well, there wasn't enough fans there. I think it was a Sunday night game. I think it was matched up against another like football and stuff, but. But, yes, that actually happened to players that are considered, like, core players. It's amazing. And you know what's funny? They responded and responded to what you're supposed to respond. I have no problem with that with Torch. I know he's harder on young guys in the past. But, listen, this is a team where there's a fine line between winning and losing. And his job is to try to find a way to win every single night. And if your top guys are the ones that are not going to set the tone, even if they're not, maybe they're, uh, you know, Kevin Hayes or Konechny, may not be first-line players on a Stanley Cup team, but if they're your leaders and the guys that people look up to, they have to do things the right way. And I think this is a time right now for Philadelphia where they have to get the culture changed back to what it once was, to that type of effort. And I think from a standpoint of looking at it from the outside guys right now, Torts has certainly done that. And I think from a standpoint of where the fans were, that was what was needed more than anything. Change the culture of what's here now, the core guys, so that's built in. And then when your team does get better, you start drafting better and you have better opportunities down the road. That lineage will then be rebuilt again. And I think that's what Torch is trying to do right now is, is get guys to buy in, uh, no matter what the wins and losses look like at the end of the year. Chris, so what is the perception of what's going on in Toronto from, from the Philly market right now? What is your perception of what's going on up here? Yeah, I mean, it looks like a mess, right? Like, we, you, you open the papers, <laughs> you, you, you turn on the stuff. No, I mean, it does. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, but this has gone on for years, right, guys? I mean, listen, this is a, everybody knows Toronto. I'm, I'm an Ottawa guy. I grew up with knowing the Maple Leafs, the Montreal Canadiens, and what reverberated through their fan base. When you failed as miserably as the Leafs have in many years, and I'm not throwing stones right now at the Flyers. The Flyers have not had a cup since the early 70s either. They've had a lot of finals and a lot of good decorated playoff runs. But when the expectations are on a team like that and you've paid guys a lot of money at the top end of your lineup and the coach either can't get enough out of them or he doesn't have the horses and he's trying to do it all through those four or five or six guys, that becomes very difficult to do through 82 games. So, you know what? They've had a GM in there that's, I think, taken, quite honestly, the soft approach. They tried to, in terms of the players, like let's play a nice game and try to outskill teams. But it's funny why, you know, they, they said they needed a Wayne Simmons last year and they went out and tried to get a little bit tougher with a Wayne Simmons. Problem with Simmer is at the end of his kind of his career, he's still playing, he's still a warrior. But you got to win. At the end of the day, you know, Colorado had as much skill and more than the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, with their high-end guys at the front end, but they also played with grit. And I think that's the challenge with these GMs right now is to have the high-end guys, but also really have a substantial amount of effort and hard work grit guys that can support that. And I don't think Toronto has that, and I think the whole league knows it. We're talking to Chris Bundy, Darian from Snow the Goalie. Hey, so uh, everybody's sitting there going, well, you're not getting Carter Hart tonight. You're getting Felix. You're getting uh, yeah. a team that uh, went uh, the distance against the New York Rangers. They're tired, yada, yada, yada. This one's an easy one for the Leafs. What kind of Tortorella team shows up tonight against the Leafs? Yeah, I mean, that, this this one tonight, this is the kind of game you expect Toronto to be ready for it, coming off kind of a miserable road trip. So there's going to be that factor. They've been chewed out all week. The coach is on the hot seat. The GM's on the hot seat. Um, everybody is. So, uh, you know, Philadelphia with a late night coming in across the border, no Carter Hart. This will be one of those games tonight. 
you know what? It actually could be conducive to the Flyers. And probably, guys, the way they're playing, unless Toronto totally overwhelms them uh, with an Austin Matthews-type show tonight of skill, uh, scoring from anywhere they want up the middle of the ice. This is the kind of game the Flyers, even though they're tired, could grind it out and muck it up a little bit at the uh, up in Toronto tonight just, just to see how it goes. Toronto will not like playing this new Flyer team because they will clog it up. They'll try to make life difficult. But at the same time, they will give up a lot of shots. And not having Carter Hart in there tonight probably could be the difference for Toronto. A fresh, rested team waiting on a tired team coming in from, uh, you know, a nightmare coming out of New York into Toronto last night. Well, Sammy doesn't know what to expect now, right? Clogged it, clog it up for a low-scoring game where the Leafs open it right up, Sammy. What do you think? I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think any <laughs> night with this team. You guys are so beaten down up there. Oh, my gosh. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, listen. We're embarrassed for guys like Sammy right now. <laughs> There's never a dull moment in Toronto, guys, during hockey season. And you know what? They have great fans, like amazing people. And most of the friends I have, they're Leafs fans growing up. But, man. Field just runs right through their veins. It's unbelievable. Hey, is this a good thing for the Flyers having all this success with the Eagles and, and the Phillies right now? Are they a little under the radar, which is a good thing for maybe Tortorella and company? I think so, Kipper. You know, I mean, it's listen, this is a great sports town, Philadelphia. They love their teams here. Uh, you know, they want to see everybody do well. But I think I think it's a good it's a really good thing for the city because it does give the Flyers an opportunity. And you know what's funny? People are talking about the Flyers doing well as, uh, also right now. You know, okay, you know, say the Eagles, they're you know best team in the NFL. The Phillies likely could win the World Series. I was down there last night. Crazy sports town right now. And the Flyers have had a good start, and the Sixers haven't. So it's a little bit of an odd, uh, an odd uh, um, grouping right now. But you know what? I think the Flyers get a little bit of a breather uh, with everybody kind of turn their focus uh, early in the season, certainly towards the, the, the Phillies, but the Eagles as well having the start they've had. Bundy, love always you coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Anytime. Look forward to coming on whenever you need me. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Snow the the Goalie is his podcast and uh, his new book. He's got a book out called Road to Redemption. Yeah, I saw that. Good for him. Yeah, Congrats, man. That's awesome. And Sammy's got it on his desk, actually. I may have to steal that from him. All right. I have a few copies. Uh, Oh, I'm grabbing one. um, I got to ask you this question because he was talking about the Flyers. What? number rating are the Flyers doing in Philadelphia tonight? A zero? Oh, if Philly's Astros tonight? Yeah, game World four. Series four, game four? <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's got the Flyers I didn't, game I didn't watch last night, too. Oh, was oh. It just Bryce a, Harper. Did just a thrashing? <laughs> yeah. They had four dingers off. What's his face Lance, there? Lance McCullers. Just uh, hanging. Yeah, seven. Cobb. He, yeah, apparently he hadn't, th- I don't know, go back and watch the Fox call with Joe Davis and John Smoltz. They did like a like the just the lead up and to, John's, to uh, the him Harper's hitting the events. homer, unbelievable. And Smoltz is talking about how like he doesn't throw fastballs to lefties, and if he's looking for a, a, a hanging breaking ball, he's going to swing hard. And just the breakdown of it, the call, the fans, that park right now is just—it's my favorite thing. I love the yeah. fight in Phils right now. I'm all in. Sabres and Phillies. Let's go, when baby. Tony Romo had a run of calling games, and mm-hmm. it, like he was calling plays before they would yeah. happen. Everyone's like, "Man, so yeah. cool!" Until they took the playbook away from him. <laughs> yeah, is that what happened? Well, whatever happened there <laughs> last night with, with Harper and was it Schmoltz? Yeah, he's talking about like what he should be looking for, what he can expect to get first pitch. He, I mean, it was right where he, he said he it would be, and he mashed it. Yeah, just, just a nuke. Yeah. Absolute beautiful yeah. swing. So I'm loving that. And, I love and the Houston too. is the better team. Yeah. 
Or not anymore? They, they are, came they, in? No, they're definitely better, but here's the thing. Everyone hates them. Oh, Mattress Mac and Oh, we're back it. to... Oh, that's never gone, Kemper. Never gone? No, they... I mean, not to get too deep into the baseball story here, but they were the only people that ever benefited from COVID because that story came out in the offseason heading into the 2020 baseball season, and they were legitimately the most hated franchise in all of sports. They were so, so hated. And then they had that full season where there's no fans allowed. So they didn't have the vitriol coming through. So, like, it kind of cooled it off. People had bigger things to worry about for two years. And then now they're kind of back into getting hated. I hate the Astros. I hate every single one of them. So I love this. I'm all in. You think Altuve had a little buzzer? He did, of course. Yeah, yeah, they're banging trash cans. They're despicable. (laughs) A buzzer. Yeah. Because he went, I mean, you know the whole thing. He went around the bases. He didn't let him take off his jersey. Said his wife doesn't like it when he gets right. his shirt off. <laughs> what a claim. <laughs> we have that in common. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very different reasons. Can you just stop taking off your shirt and in public? Then, and then people Google him. There's like a thousand pictures of him shirtless on Google. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, anyways. Um, Anywhere you want to go? Yeah. Before we break? Yeah. Hard question. Oh, boy. I don't like him going to breaks. I know. I, I ask the questions yeah, around Yeah, we got four here, minutes. What do you got? No, I want to talk about... We've talked about Sheldon Keefe. Everyone in Twitter world, Sheldon Keefe fired, fire Keefe. You know, it's a thing, right? And we've basically said, we don't think that's correct. It's not the time yet. We haven't really taken a stance on it, but we've talked about it. Yeah. Uh, It's too early for me right now. Me too. Agree. Do you think, because it is uh, part of the conversation, do you think the Leafs would allow Kyle Dubas with no contract past this season to fire and hire the next coach, knowing that GMs like to have their own guy. Kyle came in, got to have his own guy. Would they let Kyle make that decision? And yeah, I got news and for you. would they let that what? They're gonna hire uh, Kyle's guy and fire him at the end if they don't want Kyle? Kyle can stay or Kyle can go, but he ain't making the decision. If Sheldon goes or stays stays or goes. If if there's a new coach coming in, yeah. it is way beyond Kyle's opinion. Kyle Dubas's Input. So you think Brandon Shanahan hires the next coach? My guess is yes. Yeah. Just in where case. where it falls from the the very top, I don't know. But this is well beyond Kyle Dubas's decision. Shout out to my boy Ian Cassigan. We had this discussion from yesterday. But with you know Dubas's contract the way it is, yeah, it just seems to me like. You wait until this Christmas or whatever it is, and you say, all right, do we believe that Dubas is our guy enough to make trades at the deadline and to do these sort of things? And that hinges on what happens with Sheldon to me. Is that relationship, if they keep Kyle, if the team turns it around, otherwise, you go away from Kyle too. You know, it feels like because of Kyle's contract, it's both yeah, or it's, none. It's, I, I think it would be a, a bigger look. And it all depends on who they feel is the next guy. Who is the next guy behind the bench? And where does he sit in terms of uh, a power and a pecking order? Remember, Kyle already went through it once with Mike Babcock. Who had where, a lot of authority. Where he's paid more money, he's owed more money. Longer term. Longer term. Name. And he got him out eventually. And he brought in his guy. Where does that, that that power dynamic lie if, say, you know, Barry Trotz comes in? 
Well, that's my question. If you have Barry Trotz come in, he's not coming in for cheap or for short term. So you give him five times five or whatever that contract is. And then who's in charge? Maybe you give him maybe you give him the Pat Quinn deal. He wanted to be the GM, right? Remember he wanted to be the GM. He was talking about that. He wanted to maybe get away from coaching. Give him both. Yeah. Pat Quinn him. (laughs) I was on JD's show and I I said my guess would be if you if if there's making a hard decision uh, on Sheldon, Mm. it would be very difficult for for Kyle uh, to stay as well. Yeah. So that's kind of where I go with this too. Yeah. Is that And then cuz if they do go yeah. 5 times 5 times yes. for trots. Yes. It's it's And then they fire Kyle bring someone else in who says I want my it's guy. It's under the support of MLSE and Brendan Shanahan and I would I would guess that Brendan would slide into uh, interim general manager. Little Lou Lamorello action. Work your way into all maybe the roles. Go, maybe he'll just go down and coach a little bit. Yeah. Who did he fire? I will say, when coach? I was there, Brendan Shanahan used to come in a little bit. Like, the Marlies would play at the ACC once in a while. And yeah. he would he would come down and be like, you know, drop the power play. Here's what you guys are doing. Here's what I'd like to see. Like, he, you know, he talks hockey to these guys. He's involved. That's a wild thing to think back on with Lou. Oh, oh, yeah. Who did he fire? Lou made himself the coach like three separate times. Yeah, but I remember. <laughs> but then they won. Didn't they win the cup the one time he did it? I don't know. I can't uh, they fired, sounds, sounds no, right. no, they, uh, he, he fired somebody and brought in Larry Robertson mm. and then won the cup. But he interviewed him a number of times. Sam would have been a fetus. No, I remember, I remember him firing somebody and then coaching during the playoffs, but I can't remember when. Or I am drawing a blank on who yeah. he fired. It was someone significant jo- too. Oh. Lemaire, not Lemaire, was it? Well, was it Jock Lemaire? It's Anyways. called Google. Yeah, I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> I got to tell you, one of the funniest relationships I ever saw while I was with the Leafs organization was Jacques Lemaire as a special advisor. He may still be a special advisor to the Leafs. He would come around like once every, I don't know, three times a year or something and give Lou a hard time for taking himself too seriously. The only guy I've ever seen who could do it, just really harass Lou. Highlight, big Lemaire love, seeing him like clown on Lou a little bit. It's rare. Love that guy. We uh going to name a, a guy that Lou fired right at the end of the season before we go to break, Sammy? Or are we going to... Go to break. We'll bring it up later. Ooh, a tease. (laughs) I know what those are. I'm a host. (laughs) All right. That and more, including Louis DeBrusque. Why is it working for stars like McDavid and Dreisaitl, but it's not working for Matthews and Marner? We'll ask him and more on Real Kipper and Bourne. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Just waiting on Louis DeBrusque. Must be a fun time for him as does a terrific job on Hockey Night in Canada, but the bulk of his work awesome. coming out of uh, the Edmonton Oilers organization. Yeah. Seven and three. I got to think. And who said this? Uh, Sammy earlier or somebody that... Uh, Only two of us. Yeah. <laughs> got to be some, some, some people out west really enjoying watching the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. Number one's probably Connor right. McDavid. Louis DeBrusque. 
How, how are en- you guys? How enjoyable are the Leafs' miseries right now for a guy like, uh, say, Mark Spector? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, you cut out there for a second. I know you were talking about the Leafs and you were talking about the Oilers. Are you talking about the Leafs' struggles right now? Yeah, and um, and, yeah. How, and how much Mark Spector might be enjoying yeah. this. Well, they like to have a little fun with it, that's for sure. There's, there's no question about that, but... Uh, yeah, you know, I think they're more concerned right now with how Edmonton's off to a fairly good start here and this organization's doing. But there's no question there'll be some, uh, I'm sure, verbal jabs <laughs> across the way from west to east, as there would be the other way, I'm, I'm assuming. And, and as far as uh, the Oilers are concerned, um, it's not like they got shot out of a cannon here. It's been a bit of a build, eh, to get to this point yep. so far. And I know it's early, but they're trending in the right direction. I agree, Kipper. You know what? Um, I think that uh, it has been a build, and they've admitted that, that they weren't firing on all cylinders. And for Jay Woodcroft, he continually said there was positives, but at the same time, he didn't feel they were putting the game together the way they had throughout most portions of the season last year and then into the playoffs to get to the conference final. But I think you could see it building. No, you knew it was coming. And obviously with the likes of McDavid, Dreisaitl, um, the new additions of, of Evander Kane last year and Zach Hyman that are coming into their second years and more comfortable here. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been elevated up to the top six where we've seen him before, and rightfully so. I mean, he's, in my estimation, if you consider Zach Hyman's playing the right side right now instead of his natural left, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is one of their top two left winners, and nobody's really jumped in there and taken that position and ran with it to the point that Jay Woodcroft could allow someone else to have that spot. You know, for Nugent Hopkins, he can slip up there, play with Dreisaitl, which he did initially. Then he switched to McDavid's line. They made that switch in the Pittsburgh game, and they haven't looked back from that. They've been able to keep those two top lines together for the duration since then, and it's resulted in five wins in a row for them. So they're running with it right now. They're liking it. Ryan McLeod on the third line at center has been able to fill that hole there. He's playing with some confidence this year. I thought he had a real solid first full year in the National Hockey League last year. But, no, there's no question there's still progress. There's still things they're working on. But uh, you're starting to see that consistency in their game from start to finish. Louis, I don't think there's any doubt that the Edmonton Oilers have been a fun team to watch for a long time. And there's no doubt to me that, you know, this team is – as good or you know likely better than they've been in a long time. I think that they're probably in a national on now where it goes from being this is a fun team to watch to this is a legitimate cup contender. You know, watching how yeah. good they are right now is. Do you see them as being in that sort of group of three to five teams who have a legitimate shot at winning a cup here? I do, and you know, I would I would even suggest to you that I, I'm probably a little more critical of the team because I'm so close to it. Mm-hmm. So you're around it every day. You're evaluating, evaluating it every day and you're, you're watching it. But I have to tell you in the last couple of years, especially it's been building for a while in 2017, they went to the second round. They lost the Anaheim ducks after being San Jose and everybody thought, okay, this is the time they're going to start to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And you know what? Admittedly. So from the top players in the team, they just, they kind of overlooked, they overestimated where they were, I think. And they, the expectations were there and they didn't really rise to those expectations. That's all part of learning. That's all part of learning how to play a consistent game, not only from game to game, but year to year. What's your identity going to be? And I I just think 
you don't have to look any further than Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Darnell Nurse, the core of this team with Nugent Hopkins. They've been around for a while. They've been around for a while, and they've endured some tough times. And they see the light at the end of the tunnel now. And I think especially last year, going to the conference final, and I know people will say, okay, well, they had a good run. They went to the conference final. But they weren't satisfied with that. We as commentators and we as analysts watching the games and watching this team develop have said, okay, that's a real big step in my opinion. To go that far, they get up against the eventual Stanley Cup champions in the Avalanche, they lose that series. But I think that's invaluable going into the summer to allow them to understand what they have to do to get to the next step. And I just think that they've come in this year and that's the mentality they have. The expectation is very high in Edmonton and that's, you know, um, expectation from them as individuals, personally, the way they look at the game, where they feel they should be. And that's the most important thing. We always have expectations from the outside looking at what a team should do and how we think they should play. But until the expectation um, is a reality in that room and they understand, listen, we have a very good group here. We have a very good chance to do something special with the likes that we have in this dressing room, building around that nucleus. Um, and I do believe that. I believe they're one of the, certainly one of the top five teams in the league. I think any team that comes in here understands the difficulty in the matchup going up against um, the likes of those two centermen and what they can throw at you. Uh, a defense core that's finding their way, putting it together, goaltending. Jack Campbell hasn't necessarily gotten off to the, the great number start that he wants to, but he's got five wins. <laughs> they're finding a way to win. He's getting some run support at the time, and there will come a time when He's going to have to bail the team out, and I have no doubt that will happen. Stuart Skinner, as a young goalie, has stepped in there and given them excellent goaltending, so he's really pushed Campbell, I think, to start dialing in that game as well. It's a work in progress, but it's certainly working in the right direction. We're talking to Louis DeBrusque, hockey analyst with Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada. Louis, the words you just uttered, especially around expectations, really mirror the Toronto Maple Leafs here. And yeah. it mirrors to the point where... It's it's kind of scary. Two superstars who are counted on to carry the bulk. Um, a blue line that kind of gets challenged at times for being like the Achilles heel. But one really solid guy in Morgan Riley, one in Darnell Nurse. Yet the Oilers feel like legit and people are questioning the Toronto Maple Leafs. What, what, what is the difference here outside of two superstars on each team having to drive play every night here? Good question. If I had to take a guess at it and, and scrape it down to the basics, I would tell you that it's the way they're playing the game. I truly believe that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Conor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are, you know, going to abandon offense to play a strong defensive game every single second of the game, but I do know it's been a priority in both of their games. It's been a priority for the team to play the right way. Jay Woodcroft coming in, I think, has been very important in that regard in the way he wants them to play the game, and he's been very vocal about that. He hasn't changed his tune, and I don't think he ever will. Uh, But I think the team understands, and I think they're seeing the benefits of grinding out some tough wins, of facing that adversity, you know, having to come back. And that's one of the things they have to work on is getting better early in games. No question about it. They got scored on last night, 30 seconds into the game, but then they storm back with four straight. And that's, you know, that's the firepower they have. And when they get rolling, they can really run you over. But at the same time, you're, it was a fluky goal. I'll give it. It was a nice job by home to be in the spot, but it hits a skate, bounces right to a stick. He tucks it home. 
call it what it is, that's one of the things that they're really trying to work on is making sure they stabilize early and make it tougher for the opponent to get off to a good start. Um, but I do. I think it's structure. I think it's the system they're playing. I think it's the confidence in the way they play. They have a belief that if they play that way, they give themselves a chance because of the way they could put the puck in the net. And I think if you look at the Leafs, guys, when they were playing very well, it, it was very similar. They were playing a very aggressive, fast-paced, attacking style that took away time and space of the opposition and had the, the skill to make things happen when they had the puck. They were an excellent team with the puck, and they were better at getting it back. I think right now maybe a little bit off of that. They're struggling a little bit with that. They're trying to find that identity again, and obviously the pressure has been piled on there, but it's early. I, I don't necessarily panic as much about the lease as somebody in that market would. Um, because we're a little bit distance away from it. So when I look at the team, I'm like, okay, it's still early. This is a team that can still go on a run and can still figure it out. And there's lots of time to do that. But I understand the importance of having a good start. And I realize why teams and fan bases look at it and say, hey, we need to get things going here. We just saw a team last night in the National Predators that I think the record should be different. I look at that team and I watch the way they play, and it's the same thing. Look at the, the amount of talent they have in that organization. They have a Norris-winning defenseman. You know, Saris has proven that he can be a starting goaltender and a great goaltender. The back end is strong. They have two 40-goal scorers up front. They have all the makings. They can play physical. I think the toughest team in the National Hockey League, I don't think anybody wants to get into a physical battle with the National Predators on a regular basis. But... They just can't seem to find the scoring at the right time, get the save at the right time, and defend enough to keep games close. It's gotten away from them early in the year. But I do know that when they do figure it out, they're going to be a really hard team to play against. But it needs to happen sooner rather than later. And I, I, I agree with the same thing with the Leafs. They certainly want to figure it out, and they want to get in the winning ways. Louis, I want to get your thoughts on a power dynamic between superstar players and coaches you know, you know, Kipper talked a little bit about the uh, overlap between the Oilers and the Leafs, the similarities. There mm. are a lot. They both have two superstars. You can argue that two of the best players in the world on both teams. They both have first-time head coaches, um, and both of them previously had long-time head coaches, Dave Tippett and Mike Babcock. You know, there's almost a point where those players seem to have more power than their coaches, more authority, more whatever you want to call it. How do you make it work when it doesn't feel like the head coach is the guy who holds all the authority? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, you know, I've always felt, though, the best players in the game. And, and again, I'll go back to something Jay Woodcroft said early in his tenure here with Evans. And now, obviously, he was here before as an assistant coach. So he knows some of these players that were still there at that time. He, uh, he said, I think the best players in, in the game or best players in any sport want to be led, want to be coached. Um, they're asking the right questions all the time. They want to get better. Their desire is to be the best and to get better each and every day. And I'll, I'll take Connor McDavid for example. I watch practice all the time. He's the he's the hardest working guy on the ice. Like there's no no question. Like you don't have to really guess who Connor McDavid is. You don't have to have numbers on the jerseys. It's that that's the guy that's skating the fastest, working the harder every single hardest every single practice. So therefore, that leads by example. I think from a coaching perspective when you're dealing with that elite of a player that has that much of an expectation on himself, which let's face it, guys like McDavid, guys like Matthews, they've had the weight of the world on their shoulders all the time. There's always that expectation that they have to be the ones that make it happen. And the biggest asset they have is they've been able to deal with that. They've been able to deal with that and be 
two of the greatest players ever to play the game and go out there and put it on, on the ice on a nightly basis. There's going to be lapses, no question, but internally their desire to be the best should be the, the overwhelming um, character trait that makes them the greatest player on their team or potentially in the league or in history. And so for me, um, the dynamic from the coach's perspective is he doesn't have to worry about tapping into that ever. I don't think there are, there obviously is going to be times where you're going to try and tweak a few things with a player that maybe you're seeing watching the game as intently as they do little tiny things. You're going to try and adjust and teach that maybe they're having a little bit of difficulty with positioning, especially on the defensive side of things, which we always talk with the most offensive players in the game. The hardest part for them typically is, you know, thinking defensively, thinking safe during the game because they've been so programmed to be the ones that have to get something going offensively, no matter what the situation is in the game. But I would tell you that watching Austin Matthews over the last few years, and, and I'm going I'm to be honest with you guys, I haven't watched a lot of Leafs this year. I've been busy and I've caught them a couple of times, but I've always felt that Austin, along with McDavid, they've, they've worked very diligently on that aspect of their game. Mm-hmm. Their sticks are phenomenal. The great players of the game have a knack for getting pucks back. That's why they're great. They seem to be able to go, go and steal pucks. And Connor McDavid's the fastest player in the game. When he's hounding you down, he really wants that puck, you're in trouble. There's not too many people that can keep it for him for a duration of time. And, you know, I think that's the biggest asset. But as far as the dynamic goes, I think that they treat them the same as everybody else. I really do. I think that's the most important thing, and I don't think that the top players in the game want to be treated any different. One more for me, Louie, and it just goes back to, again, uh, mirroring teams with Edmonton and and Toronto is – the blue lines, uh, really a big hole with Jake Muzzin out of the lineup here, and I question whether this this blue line as is is a playoff type of blue line. But what about the likes of uh, of the Edmonton Oilers blue line? I'm not questioning whether the blue line's good enough to to make the playoffs, but is the likes of Nurse, Cody, CC, Kulak, Barry is is that a group that can that can get to a final four or, or win a Stanley cup. It was last year. I don't see why it wouldn't be again. Um, to be honest with you, I think you, you know, when you look at Nevin Bouchard, who's now in only a second full season in the league, he's taking great strides. And I just see a, I see a ton of poise in, in his game. He really is. He's, uh, he's gotten himself in excellent shape. He's becoming a true pro learning how to do that on the fly but he has an amazing awareness. His stick is incredible. Faster and stronger than he's given credit for. He can make an excellent first pass out of the zone. No question. With a puck on his stick, he is the best first pass out of the zone the Oilers have. Um, but I know that coming into the season, Kipper, for sure, that was the question mark. You look at the you look at this team, you say, okay. When they spread it out, they're top nine. You're not that worried about it. It's a pretty solid top nine if you want to start dispersing people around. Young Dylan Holloway comes in, and I think he's really starting to find his stride. Excellent scare. They moved him to center a couple games ago, and it's really opened up his world to be able to skate on that fourth line. But there's a player always tinkering on potentially jumping up into the top nine, maybe even into the top six, depending on how things go for him and he progresses. You're always looking for more. You want that internal competition. But that would be the one area. Uh, Marcus Niemelainen is a guy that's come into the mix. You know, a <laughs> big six-foot-six spin that loves to run around, um, line guys up. But under Dave Manson, he had him down in Bakersfield. He's really worked on just 
sounding out his game and making sure that he's playing the right way, but he's a hard guy to play against. He has a long reach. You know you're going to get hit. You know you're going to get cross-checked when he's on the ice. He's going to protect the front of the net. They're making it work right now uh, is is how I'm going to answer the question. They're making it work right now, and I think even the guy like Tyson Berry, who I I know everybody talks about as being an offensive player. You saw him in Toronto for the season he was there. He's had a real strong start to the season, in my opinion. He's not as flashy offensively. He made a real nice play. Uh, in in the game last night on the third goal, but for me, um, it's just he's been harder on pucks. He's competing, and I think that's what the philosophy is of this team. They want to make sure they're playing the right way, and everybody has to buy into it. But if they were going to add, I think down the stretch, I don't I don't think there's any question they would probably want to try and bolster the back end, not just for, for the personnel they have, but obviously to have the the depth on the back end. And and I think teams are always looking to add that depth in the back end, but. For right now, it's working, and it's worked for the last year as well. They haven't made a lot of changes there. Guys are a little bit older, a little more mature, and uh, I think they like the combinations which they've been able to keep together. Okay, I know you got to get out of here, but uh, one more quick one for me. I lied when I said the last one. Uh, Con- <laughs> Connor McDavid, the goal scorer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, w- what are we looking at here? Is he just 50, 60? Uh, it, it's a conscientious... Uh, thing right here he, he not, wants to put not, the puck in the net you know it's not too often that i would say this i don't know if i've ever said this but i think it totally depends on what connor wants to do <laughs> i know that sounds crazy there are not too right. many players you can say that about but i truly do believe it's in his hands i think if he wants to score 50 this year he's scoring 50 if he sets his sight on 60 he'll get 60 i truly believe that i'm not just saying that well why wouldn't if he you wa- if you watch the way he plays <laughs> no yeah you know what i'm saying if you watch the way he plays he creates so many chances where he passes off, and he's such an excellent passer. He demands so much attention. There's other people open, and he's been so unselfish in his career. He flared off with the open net last night. He passed that puck. He knew Evander Kane had two goals. He's the one that made the play up to Dreisaitl, and he just veered off so that he wasn't even an option for the open net. Like, he really, I, I truly do believe he doesn't care as far as, the accolades, the numbers. I think he's always driven to produce and always driven to be the best. But as far as he's concerned right now, it is absolutely 100% about winning. If that means he has to score 65 goals to do it, I think he will. Great stuff, Louie. All right. Take care, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Louis DeBrusque, Sportsnet's Hockey Night in Canada. Knowledgeable, smart man. Sammy, yes. are we... Uh, way over what you said last year that Matthews is better than McDavid. You promised promised you'd never bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) You promised! I'm looking at the top 10 like goal scorers. Really, I'm looking at the top 50. Just insanity. McDavid has 11 goals in 10 games. Second in the league is Eric Carlson with 9 goals in 12 games. Andrei Svechnikov, Gabe Velarde, Kirill Kaprizov. I'll have eight goals. Bo Horvat also has eight goals, by the way. Followed by Cole Caulfield and Pasternak. I honestly think this is this is a big time uh tinfoil hat take here about McDavid and the goal scoring. But you know how competitive he is. He's one of the guys, he's probably the greatest hockey player to ever put on skates, to be honest, just in terms of skill. He saw Matthews with all the the blowback last year and him getting the MVP and him how much the accolades he got for 60. There's no way that he's thinking I got to go score 60 and show that I'm just better than him at that, too. 
I, I, you know, Crosby had the year where he won the rocket. Maybe twice he won the rocket. But for years, he was a setup I, guy. I think there's a point where you just say, I need all the awards at least once. I, I think it was a, a sit-down with Dreisaitl, with El, our Elliot Friedman, that uh, really gave me the impression that Dreisaitl pushed him to say, you can score 60. Yeah. You go be that guy. Right? Yeah. And I, I, I think it might have started there. Just there. He's got so much respect for Dreisaitl and as one of the best passers in the league. And to hear it come out of his mouth maybe mm-hmm. might have been the the driving force to say. And when Wayne Gretzky once upon a time scored 92 goals in a season. <laughs> That's such an absurd thing to say. never, ever thought, well, that you got to be a natural goal scorer. He's not a natural goal scorer. He just decided to do it. He just decided to do it. That's what Connor's done. And that's Louis's point. Yeah. That they're so frigging good that when they decide something, they have the skill to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be a, a conscious decision on his part. And, I, you know, in regards to what he can score this year, and I he, totally think he just wants the rocket. That's my guess. So is, if it has to be 50 or 60, okay, whatever the number is, he'll stay in front. And he is a fantastic playmaker too. Oh, well, that's, I mean, he's the best. He's, so to have that balance now, and usually. He's Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, just to get back on a, a little bit of a Matthews, conversation here matthew scores tonight he can ke- catch nick ritchie oh goals god I'm rich just was great uh, <laughs> we're going into a game night here can you just, just keep it on a, a positive thought it here wasn't a negative thought but the he one can. thing about austin is we do look at him as a pure shooter and not necessarily this unbelievable elite playmaker is that fair to say Absolutely. Yeah, we don't think of him that way. He's a goal scorer. He's much more like Ovechkin where you think of him yes. as someone who puts puck in the net. Do, do, do we points, think but. that Tavares is a elite, unbelievable playmaker? No, but I think Prime Tavares his, making he, like Josh Bailey yeah. awesome and stuff was pretty awesome, I but no, just, not in pure dishing. Yeah, he just elevates guys. Yeah. Because I think mostly with his board work and kind of where he is on the ice and stuff. Okay. I think, but I don't think he's a playmaker. Matthew, Martin's so, the playmaker. So. What does Matt Molson think? <laughs> Matt Molson's <laughs> eating off Tavares' I'm work, sorry. too. So uh, <laughs> you've got. Uh, $23 million and two centermen, and neither of them are super elite playmakers. You are the only person I know who thinks centermen have to be playmakers. Uh, yes. I know. It just I it, do. I, I Listen, it makes sense. I get the idea that you want someone who can distribute it out of the middle. That makes sense. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a prerequisite to me. Uh, of all the flaws in this team, I just don't it, think that's Well, right. they've, they've proven to me that they can... They can score at an elite level yeah. without it. Yeah. But it just seems now that the wheels are spinning in the mud right now. They're offense. We're not seeing playmaking. No. Right? No, you're right. We're not seeing, like, tic-tac-toe. We're not seeing boom, boom, boom anymore. Oh. We're, it's gone. I know. If they're and not all putting with the, the Leafs puck in the like, net, yeah. we're not seeing out of the 10 games – playmaking opportunities 
No, the, you're right. The, that was the high-flying Leafs, and oh, they'll, they'll run and gun with you. You don't want to do that with the Leafs because they'll score. It's like, that's not the case. It's just not the case right now. So I can't believe that that is just gone, though, as I look at the lineup Here, here's and see Holmberg and Mulgan in. Will Matthews have more goals than McDavid at any point this year? No. Uh, the, three to nine? Is that what it is? Three to 11. Three to 11. Yeah. Oh, my God. Last year, we did this exact conversation with Ovi. With, with Ovi. Ovi had nine when Matthews, I think, I had said, three. No way. And I said, yes. And he scored six. Yeah. There, there was a time where you could, you, you watched Austin Matthews and you say, like, he is a, a goal a game guy. Oh. And he can. He was he, for a he, long stretch he, of hockey. He has the clubs year. in his bag. He hit every he shot. Can, he, he could. He could score 15 and 12. He could score 17 and 14 games. He can. He has that ability to go on that run. Yeah. The only question I ask you is, again, to go to that comparable of Edmonton and Toronto is once you get past McDavid and Dreisaitl and once you get past Marner and Matthews, what's underneath McDavid and what's underneath Matthews? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I see. I see Evander Kane and I see Zach Hyman. Horses. Mm-hmm. And I, I see ponies on the Leafs. If you could have Kane and Hyman on your team or Tavares and Nylander on your team? Who do you want? Which mm. which duo? Careful, buddy. Real talk. Absolutely. Uh, are, Absolutely Tavares and Willie. Yeah. Okay. No question. Game seven, I'll take the other guys. Ah, ah there it is. I need someone to take that. Ah, I, I know what you're saying, but to me. Game seven. <laughs> it's a really, really hard I question. I will take the horses over the ponies. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah. Listen, it's hard to sit here and argue. I mean But even below those two. Guys, Zach Hyman has six and six for twelve this yeah. season. He's off to a good start. Yeah, yeah, Kane had a hat, start, hat trick last night. Right? He had a hard, hot start last year and he was really good in the playoffs too. Yeah. Uh I just even under that depth of forward, they have good guys. Like Nuge is a great player. Underappreciated. Number one there. overall pick, just Plays yep. it two ways. Talk about, like, you say what you will about Pugliarvi, but he can play. Like I Yeah, they like the Yamamoto. Yeah. Ryan McLeod, Yamamoto, sneaky like they underrated. Have, they have good forward depth there. That's the thing to me. If they make a trade at the deadline for a real stud, they, they, that's They, they when, can drive. They can physically drive. For sure. Games. For sure. And I watched a lot of that game and last night. And that's missing yeah. from this team here. Can I say something that, as a man who cheers for every team that plays the Oilers, they're not a fun team to cheer against. Oh, they just keep coming. They offense, score. Offense, offense, offense. I will say, though, it's a great question, I thought, Kipper, Did when you, you brought up the decor. Yeah. You know, I understand last year it worked out for them. I thought they've things went favorably yeah. for them. I'm still not in love with no. Cody Cece as a top-pairing guy. No, and Nurse defensively don't love him. You know, Bouchard is a young guy who's going to make some mistakes. Nima line, and I know nothing about, so shouldn't be critical. But He's I know tall. Tyson Berry. Oh, tall. Okay, that's good. But no, you know, it's not a decor. You go, that's their engine. And yeah. I look at teams that have great success in the postseason, and I go, okay, well, Colorado's decor was unbelievable. 
Um, you know, Tampa's decor last year, unbelievable group. You know, it, typically you have very good defensive cores. You have to go back, you know, one team over the past, I don't know, 15 years had an okay decor. The year the Penguins won. But mostly you have great decors. It is a, still a weak spot for the Oilers, but boy, they they are the, I would say, the highest firepower team in the league, even though the Bruins are currently outscoring them. We didn't even get to the goalies with Louie. Oh, I thought you were going to say, we didn't even get to the Bruins. I was like, can we just not talk about that? No, no. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, not talk about the before Bruins. the show's over. I think over. If, the, if the Leafs score 20 times tonight, they'll catch the Bruins in goal scored this year or something. 15, maybe. They were, down, five, they were down 5-2 last night. The Bruins were and they yeah. came back? Yes. Did they end up winning? I know it was 5-5 five, five at one point. No, they won. They won over time. Yeah. Hampus Lindholm, the overtime winner. And Pitt, Kipper likes Pitt's him. lost. Uh, five in a row. Five in a row. Yeah. Can I bet they, on them tonight in Buffalo. At least have Pitt next Big week. Big mistake, buddy. <laughs> Maybe it would have been better playing this Pennsylvania team, the Penguins, instead of the Flyers tonight. Yeah. Ah, they're still a lot They'll be there fine. Pittsburgh, yeah. They'll be fine. I think so, too. There's a lot, a lot of teams that are out to slow starts. Minnesota Wild, St. Louis Blues, Pittsburgh Penguins, Tampa starting to come around. What about Florida? They lose to Arizona last night, much like the Leafs did. Yeah, they're not off to a hot start either. But I'm just, I, I wrote about it today. Brandon Montour of the Florida Panthers, yeah. fourth in the NHL in ice time. 26 minutes a game for the Panthers this year. Montour. Montour. Wow. 26 per night. It's like Drew Doughty. He's ahead of Hedman, Fox, If only they Yossi. had a top pairing defenseman that played both ways. And, <laughs> like, oh, Mackenzie Weaker maybe? Yeah. Oh, did they trade Ekblad's him? hurt. But oh. Forsling's playing 24 something a night. It's thin in Florida, I'm telling you. I was of the opinion when they made that trade that they won the trade. The 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 Floridas? Yeah. Just because You're the I, only person I've I know heard because say that. I, because I liked Kachuk more than I liked Huberdo and Weaver. Me too. I thought he was the best well, player in the draft. You usually win the trade if you have the best players in the draft. But when you see in what's left, trade, yeah. that's sorry, in the trade. Yeah. But when you see what's left there, yeah. They look a little thin. Defense but. though. I get it. He scored 115 points. Huberdeau, he's set a record I think for Assists for a winger at 83, it was like off the charts. I think you think Huberto is a Leaf-type player. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm okay with Huberto. I, I think you can win with that guy. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't, he's not the guy that's going to go through people mm-hmm. in a best of seven. Which is, I think, was the conclusion from Zito right? last year. For sure. Yeah. But getting a guy like Uyghur, you can't find them. As the Leafs are finding out, as dozen other teams are fighting out they're not out there really hard montour like we when way back when i don't know 2013 Mm -hmm. we were doing when willie nylander was sitting out and at the time when nick ritchie was still a a a a top rated prospect yeah you know they you get buried about this like once a week buddy people love to bring that one up Oh, yeah. Like, we all knew Nick Ritchie wasn't going to be Milan Lucic, right? <laughs> right. We all it, knew it, that, right? It looked right? like it. It looked like it back then. So I suggested if the Leafs couldn't sign Willie Nylander, they go get a defenseman in, in Montour and uh, and Nick Ritchie. Hey, listen, Nick Ritchie's got outscoring Austin Matthews, and Montour plays the <laughs> most right. in the league. <laughs> Pretty good trade to me, if you ask. <laughs> It wouldn't look that bad right Pause now. time right now. This is Oh, my God, trade. that's incredible. It's one the least might consider. That's incredible. But you know what? They'll bury me forever on that oh, one. Oh, you'll never live that one down. That's okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. Four goals, seriously. Listen, I'm the guy that said they should sign Jack Campbell six times six and compared him to Cujo and now hate watch every single one of his games. So, <laughs> just hoping he fails. So, yeah. I've never made a mistake. Listen, this time last year, Jack Campbell might have had a 945 save Vesna percentage. Vesna front runner. Okay. Yeah. He was on fuego, yeah. Sammy. Oh, my so God. So, when yeah. you were throwing out. Five or six million, and people were all telling us like we had three heads. It it wasn't that far off. It wasn't off what it ended up being after he was the worst goalie in the league for four months. Imagine if he had kept up the pace he was on or even was okay for the last half of the year. He got five by five. At worst, someone said six by six. At worst. They went. This time last year, the Leafs were on their way to winning 15 of 17. That's crazy, Ryan. Okay? Yeah. So you want to talk about 115-point season. Just look at that stretch. Let's look at the And think schedule. about historically how many teams have ever gone through an 80-plus regular season when they've won 15 of 17. It is a stretch was that, that was off the charts. And it was led by Jack Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hope the Penguins struggle. On the 11th, the Leafs play the Penguins. On the 15th, the Leafs play the Penguins. On the 26th, the Leafs play the Penguins. <laughs> so you're going to get your fill of pit uh, in the month ahead here. So hopefully they continue to struggle. But no, it's a much tougher month than it was last year for them. Uh, Bruins, Canes, uh, Golden Knights. The Devils are playing unbelievably well. The Wild should come around. Got the lightning coming on. Yeah. I'll never Buffalo. forget uh, when, they, when they announced Patrice Bergeron coming back to Boston. <laughs> Poor Sammy. I don't know. You tweeted something yeah. or you called me, but it was like, this is my worst nightmare. No, I, I, I think I tweeted something like, haven't you done enough? <laughs> like, Just quit. This is my nightmare. <laughs> and he is looking as good as he ever has. He is a 10 out of 10 stud. Always has been, always will be. Yeah. Hall of Famer. Just does it the right way. Absolutely love him. Uh, did you guys happen to watch any hockey last night? Did you watch Tampa Bay, Ottawa? I tweeted no, a few I, I clips from it. I watched the highlights this morning, and then I saw your tweets, and I was like, what the hell happened in this what game? A, they won 4-3. Tampa won 4-3 yes. and outshot them 40 to 16 yeah. or something. But it was the most – you would have had a little, little upchuck in your mouth – Watching some of the turnovers, the play. Tampa's up five on three, gives up two breakaways. One of them they get scored on. Uh, they give up a breakaway to Brady Kachuk uh, with three seconds left in the game to tie it. Like, it was just run and gun, schmozzle hockey. Uh, Cooper must be going I, I think so. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, you can still see it from Tampa. Like, Braden Point looked unbelievable. He looked just like an absolute powerhouse two-way guy, so talented. Kucherov scores a great goal. Like, it's all there still, but they're just playing some bizarre hockey for Tampa Bay. So. Just, they've played a lot of hockey in the last few years. You like, know, wouldn't be, you just want like, I still won't write them off. No, well, me either. Of course not. It's got to be hard to get up for these kind of games. To, like, have your coach just sit out for a couple of months. Like, we just don't want to hear John Cooper. He's, we know he's a great coach. We just want someone else for a little bit and then you give us John you, back you, you when it matters. Voices, uh... Well, don't you think just eventually? I'm not saying I don't know what's going on there, but you know how it is, the same coach, the same message, the same. You're just like, you know what? I know what you think. I know when I turned that one over, I shouldn't have. Can you just not for a bit? Yeah. 
I think that happens with all coaches where you're like, just, I know. Oh, without a I know, doubt. I know what you think. Yeah, without a doubt. That's the worst when you're coming to the bench and you turn the puck over and you but see the coach coming to you. You're like, he's been around, I know it was bad. He's, I, he's been around for so long, John Cooper now. Yeah. Stamkos has been around, Kucherov, Hedman. They probably don't talk as much. Well, no, it's just on the bench. They, anyway. They've they've been through this scenario before. It must be like a routine. It yeah. must be they they must know their every move. Their it's like every, a relationship where you just yes. know where to not push it's, if you don't want to escalate right? it. It's like I'm just gonna let that one go. You know, married, I, married for a long time. I know she you let know that pot that pot you know soak what, instead I, of cleaning right? it for the thirtieth time. I've been I'm married like, for a full month, so if you ever want any advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, full month. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank What'd you, you get her? Uh, nothing. Oh, jeez. Leafs tickets for nice. Month, month anniversary. That's more expensive than I think most yeah. wedding gifts, yeah. isn't it? No, yeah, maybe. Like when I tell my wife, don't worry about the dishes. You can get them in the morning. <laughs> no, that's, I'm just kidding. God, I Good. hope she's not listening. Don't worry, mine isn't for sure. All right. Our thanks to Chris Terrian on his thoughts on the big matchup tonight between the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, Louis DeBrusque as well. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Hit a rating and review for us. Thumbs up on YouTube. And subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. We're back tomorrow.